Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So one of the things you know about Kirby Smart, if you pay attention very closely at all, is that Smart kind of likes for the Georgia football program to be led by one voice, one person doing all the speaking and one person kind of setting the tone for the program with what's said publicly. And listen, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe it's not. Frankly, I don't really get all that into that as a discussion. But after what I'm about to play for you, maybe you start to have a little bit of an idea why Kirby Smart wants to keep his assistant coaches focused on in-game preparations, off-season conditioning, to the extent they can be involved in that, certainly recruiting, and speaking to the media. You know, that's the kind of thing that Kirby Smart thinks those guys are better not having to worry about that. Any media messages will be delivered by Smart himself, and when I play for you what I'm about to play, maybe you'll have an idea of why that is true. I think that a lot of us this time of year, we look around at the Georgia schedule and we start trying to figure out, okay, what are the games that are going to matter for Georgia for the upcoming year? And in fact, on Friday, we played just some audio of Kirby Smart, who was a part of that Chick-fil-A Bowl, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl celebrity golf tournament last week, raising some money for his foundation and just charitable causes in general. And Smart kind of gave his early thoughts on the Oregon game. That's a game a lot of Georgia fans have circled because it's not just Dan Lanning against his old team, Lanning now head coach of the Ducks, but it's also, you know, a big neutral site, non-conference season opener, Georgia on one side, Oregon on the other. Oregon, a very recognizable college football brand. Those uniforms, very, very well known. That's the kind of game folks have circled. And you start wondering, well, what are the other games that uh, maybe folks have circled a little bit? There's been some chatter as of late about the South Carolina game. I've told you now for a good number of weeks that I do think that game could be pretty hyped by the time that Georgia plays it, especially if South Carolina can play well early in the season. The game takes place in September. But if South Carolina can play er- well early in the season, maybe pulling off an upset at Arkansas, Gamecocks will be an underdog that day. But could they win? All of a sudden, that makes williams Bryce Stadium in September for Georgia and South Carolina be very hot that day that makes that game feel pretty big and you start looking around where other games might be big i've said i really only see a couple of instances where i believe that georgia is likely to only be a, a single digit favorite they will clearly be favored in every regular season game the dogs play here this year i believe they'll be a double digit favorite at least 10 times they may be a double digit favorite in all 12 regular season games but the two games in which i think the dogs have a chance to be only a single digit favorite eight nine point favorite maybe a touchdown but certainly eight nine point favorite may be realistic at Mississippi State, I think you have a chance for that to be true, and possibly at Kentucky, where I think that has a chance to be true there as well. And it is the Kentucky Wildcats that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about here today because one of the Wildcats' assistants, his name is Vince Marrow. He's the tight ends coach. He's a recruiting coordinator. I guess he's associate head coach, something along those lines. And apparently he's pretty outspoken. So Marrow goes on radio program there you've heard of kentucky sports radio maybe if you follow the uh, sec centric media pretty closely matt jones is the guy there from kentucky sports radio and i don't know if Merrill makes re, uh, frequent appearances with uh with matt jones or, or what the story is is here but when Merrill was on ksr last week that's kentucky sports radio 
very openly, Vince Marrow talked about the fact that the Kentucky folks right now, his team, his players, his fellow coaches, kind of have that Georgia game circled a little bit. Now, given what Georgia has done to Kentucky in recent years, the idea that they would speak this openly about what they think is going to happen against Georgia, does this just sound a little weird to you? It kind of does to me. Let me let you hear with your own ears, and you can judge it for yourself. This Vince Marrow, finger pointed towards the dogs in November. Take a listen to this from Kentucky Sports Radio last week. You have said that in order for Kentucky to do what you want to do, the next step is beating Georgia. But what will it take for this program to take that next step to beat Georgia? So, I don't know if you remember 18, we were not ready for that game mm-hmm. when it was A-B, it was CBS. And you could tell early. I mean, yes. we, we fought hard, yes. but you could tell it wasn't going to yes. be there. Yeah. But when we played them last year and went down there, I'm telling you, our guys went in. We were not you know it was not we were we really thought we would win that game and two yeah. plays go differently you're in it the drop that they can't kept showing on the draft coverage right. and then and he's a great player so i'm not i'm not crushing him at oh, all no. but that little screen pass to rodriguez fortner missed a block on that and if he had hit that block rodriguez was going to score but i don't think y'all remember we have three field goals blocked one deal drops the touchdown pass. That's right. We did have three field goals. And then we missed the field goal on that. And then we had two more field goals blocked. So we lost 30 to 17. If you, I'm just telling you, if we picked that fumble, the one they say was, was, no, was that fumble, hurt, yes. That's a different game because now they're only up by three and we going into halftime. Have you ever in your entire life heard more woulda, coulda, shouldas than that? Like that's. If you ever want to know what loser talk sounds like, and listen, Vince Merrow may be the best guy in the world. He may be a terrific football coach. He probably is. You know, he's trusted assistant of uh, Mark Stoops, and I generally, uh, genuinely have uh, respect for Stoops in that Kentucky program. But this ain't it. What does the kid say? This ain't it, Chief. This ain't it right here. The idea of, well, if we had this to happen and that happened and that happened, boy, that's a totally different ball game. You know, the notion of, man, they blocked three field goals. Yeah, that's the point. Like, you you look at that as bad luck, but Georgia also blocked the field goal in the national championship game against Alabama. That's what Georgia does. It makes plays on special teams. This is how not on the same plane you are with UGA. That Georgia's not just looking to make big plays on defense and big plays on offense. More on that in a moment. They're also looking to make big plays on special teams. Be like Sam Pittman, which you would never do, saying, well, if we just didn't have that punt blocked against Georgia, uh, you know, how much better that game would have gone? But that's the point. When you put 11 dominant football players in your special teams, you're going to block kicks. You're going to make plays on special teams, and you are going to render games over in uh, the very early stages of it. You're going to send the thing to garbage time quickly because you're making plays on special teams too. That's not an example of how it could have gone better for you. That's an example of why it was as bad as it was because George was also capable of making plays on special teams there as well. But all of a sudden, you kind of remember back to that Kentucky game here a little bit. Remember the work they did? Fans were booing. People were furious. People were so mad that Kentucky was trying to drive and score late in that game. Total garbage time scenario. Game was well decided. Uh, Point spread players were leaning in, but everybody else was, for the most part, checked out heading back to the tailgate. But Kentucky's down there calling timeouts, and you know they're trying to score uh, You know there at the end. And at the time, you're like, what is this about? Why does Kentucky even care? Like, this game is long since decided. 
But all of a sudden now you fast forward to summer and you've got, you know, this Kentucky assistant going on local radio show saying, oh, man, the score was 30 to 17. Man, we were so close. Yeah, but you scored on the last play of the game to even make it that. Otherwise, you're about to lose by three touchdowns. Like no one who watched Georgia, Kentucky, the game was on, by the way, national television, ESPN game day was there. But nobody who watched that game thought it was close at all nor did it have any chance of being close during the game at least that's what most people would have kind of concluded from that but apparently you got a kentucky assistant trying to sell his local fans on oh man this is the game we have circled because it could have been so much closer the last time he played yeah i know we were a top 15 team hosting them with a chance to win the east in 2018 and as he admittedly says we weren't ready that day we got dragged up and down the field but boy last year could have been so different and apparently vince marrow believes this upcoming season's game could be the one in which they actually get this done. I am shocked somewhat to hear uh, an SEC assistant already talking this openly about a game against Georgia that won't be played for several more months. But I hope the folks in Athens are listening because Vince Merrow apparently thinks that Kentucky's got something for Georgia coming up later on this year, once again from Kentucky Sports Radio. We physically thought, and Kirby was said it, when they keep asking me all these media days, he said, they keep saying about Kentucky, he said, are you guys serious? He said, that's one of our toughest games every year. You talk to our players. So I think, again, going into this year, you know, you take every game, but I think it's going to come down to that game. I think it's November 19th here or something like Next that. Next to last game, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, – I, I, I like our when you got seven. you like having it at the end of the year it's the next to last game of the year it's gonna be cold probably yeah it's gonna be hey Kroger Field will be rocking it'll be cold it'll be a good time to play some football so I don't typically do this but Michael if you don't mind I want to play this clip again because at one point in time Marrow says something and gets cut off he says I like our dot 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 you like your what your offense against Georgia's defense your defense against Georgia's offense? Your chances of winning the game? What is it exactly that you like in comparison to Georgia? Listen to this clip one more time and notice this. He's about to say something. He gets cut off, and I am begging you to finish this sentence if you're Vince Mayer. Take a listen to this. We physically thought, and Kirby even said it, when they keep asking about all these media days, he said, they keep saying about Kentucky, he said, are you guys serious? He said, that's one of our toughest games every year. You talk to our players. So I think, again, going into this year, you know, you take every game, but I think it's going to come down to that game. I think it's November 19th here or something like Next that. Next to last game, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I like our – you got – You like having it at the end of the year. It's the next to last game of the year. It's going to be cold probably. Yeah. It's going to be – hey, Kroger Field will be rocking. It'll be cold. It'll be a good time to play some football. I like our – if I could hear him finish that sentence, oh, my gosh, how happy would I be? Now, the truth is I'm not really mad about this. I mean, honestly, I wish more coaches were like Vince Merrow here. He's willing to talk about a game that he thinks is big for Kentucky. He's willing to be candid about all of that. It's actually fun to have coaches speak this way, and uh, honestly, I'm really not that mad at him. But I do think this is a little bit different than how business normally gets done. And maybe this is an example of just being the national champ. you got a bigger sign on your back or whatever else. But that's a coach who believes his team can pull the upset. And he says, hey, one of the things we have going for us, it's going to be cold at Kroger Field, Commonwealth Stadium, coming up in November. I was also cold in Knoxville a year ago, at least somewhat. And that stadium was also rocking there as well. And the Vols fans got, you know, or the Vols you know, team got beaten up pretty good by Georgia that day. So the cold didn't quite help Tennessee last year in November. But maybe, maybe you know, Lexington this year, maybe it really is going to be different. 
But it's interesting to hear a guy like Vince Marrow, Kentucky assistant, on radio there in Lexington, kind of already talking about that. I said before, I hope the Georgia team's leaned in on this. I hope they are, they are noticing this isn't fan, this isn't blogger, this isn't, you know, whatever else. This is coach on the team saying, we're going to use the cold in Lexington in November as a way of showing that we're finally ready for UGA. We proved it last year by losing 30-17, to 17, but this is the year we get it done. That's what Vince Merrill seems to be selling on all of this. Now, let me use this to make a slightly different point here for a moment. Kind of in the same vein. If you go back and look at that Georgia-Kentucky game last year, it's actually, I believe, not proof of anything related to Kentucky the way that Mero tries to sell it there. But it's actually, I think, a pretty interesting statement about Georgia that we ought to keep in mind for the upcoming season. That Georgia actually showed itself that day against the Wildcats, if you'll remember, as a team that was capable of not just being good defensively, but a team that was being that was capable of being good in all phases, giving itself a chance to be the kind of team that eventually won the national championship. If you'll remember, in that time in October, we were so confused. It was supposed to be JT Daniels, and then it kind of wasn't. And in the absence of JT Daniels or whatever was going on there, you're kind of left to wonder. You're kind of left to wonder. Um, what kind of offense was Georgia going to be with Stetson Bennett to help with 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 Bennett doing some of the things that most Georgia fans have been led to believe that JT Daniels was going to do that Vince Marrow speaking about the Kentucky game is actually kind of an interesting time for us to go back and revisit the Kentucky game here for a moment because I think that was the day that a lot of pretty smart plugged in Georgia fans started to realize hey you know what Maybe this really is a, a pretty special team, not just because they're great defensively, although they were, because they have a chance to be pretty explosive offensively there as well. In, in fact, after that game against Kentucky, that's one of the things that Smart talked about, the explosiveness that he had seen from his offense against the Wildcats. And that was the day that a lot of Georgia fans started being believers in the dogs, but also Bennett in particular. So maybe Vince Marrow doesn't quite remember this part, but Kirby Smart, you better believe he does. This is what he said last October. I say it all the time, be aggressive, take what they give you. And if they continue to lower the safeties, put them in the box. And, you know, they were, they were bent on, on not letting us run the ball, which I really think we could run the ball, but if it's, if it's easier to throw it and it keeps them off balance and, uh, and you're rolling, we did a good job in the passing game. So keep that in mind. Kirby smart says, maybe we could have run it, but they were stacking the box. So we threw it. And on that particular day, Stetson and Bennett outplayed Will Levis. And when you hear about Kentucky's chances of pulling an upset against UGA, that name of Levis is one you're going to hear a lot because you're already seeing him projected, you know, pro football focus. Some of these outlets are already projecting him as a first round quarterback for the upcoming season. And that's one of the quarterbacks. A lot of folks are wondering, we even said this a couple of our shows last week, is Georgia ready to do battle against a quarterback like that? A guy that's going to be getting this kind of high. Well, last October he was. Levis, the guy who a lot of the hopes and dreams of the Wildcats this upcoming season, it rests on his shoulders. Guess what he was against Georgia? On 42 attempts, he was just 192 yards passing. He did throw two touchdowns, but he only averaged 4.6 yards per attempt. By comparison, Stetson Bennett threw more touchdowns. He threw three. Threw for more yards on just 20 attempts, 250 yards on 20 attempts. That's an average yard per attempt of 12 and a half. Now you can say, well, Levis was competing against the Georgia defense and Bennett was just competing against Kentucky defense. That's true, but that's also kind of part of the point here is that 
in the game doing what is required on that particular day Bennett outplays Will Levis so the Kentucky game a year ago is an example of how good Kentucky is or how ready Kentucky is it was actually the precursor to what eventually became a national championship season for UGA but now that the dogs are the reigning champs boy isn't there a bigger bullseye on the back of these dogs isn't there a bigger target here isn't there more off-season chatter not just from media types, not just from fans, but actual assistant coaches who believe, oh my gosh, we were just so close to pulling it up to the year ago. And we get the benefit, uh, Vince Merrow says, of being at home this year, where it's going to be cold in November, where it's going to be rocking there at Commonwealth Stadium. All of that working to the advantage of the Wildcats against UGA. Y'all, this is fun. It is fun to hear what some folks want to say about UGA, including one of the coaches that'll coach against them. I'm guessing the dogs probably pay attention to some of this kind of stuff too. And I'm guessing that whatever whatever shot that Kentucky thinks is going to take against UGA, George will be more than ready to respond to that in kind later on this November. And I can't wait for that to get here. This season's going to be a lot of fun, folks. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, uh, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, on the radio at noon, on Athens Sports Radio, 960 The Ref, and we're available as a podcast wherever you find them. Apple, Spotify, Google, worldfamousdognation.com, a lot of different ways to connect with our show each and every day. Really appreciate you doing that. And we appreciate our friends at Pella Window and Door of George for making it all possible. Now, I'm going to tell you about Pella here in a moment, but I need to tell you about something else really cool about Pella before I do. That is the fact that one week from today, we are going to be live at the great Pella showroom right there in Duluth. We're going to do Dog Nation Daily from there. I believe our buddy John Sinscombe is going to stop by and see us. We have some Dog Nation Daily t-shirts they are going to be giving away there that day. So if you're in that kind of Duluth, Gwinnett area, uh, coming up uh, on uh, it's next Monday. It's April 16th. I uh, should say May 16th. Next Monday. If you are around that area, come on by and see us. We do the show. We'll start like as we normally do, you know, 945 or whatever. And we'll kind of take it, you know, a little bit after 11 or so. We're going to be there. The address is 2605 North Berkeley Lake Road, Northwest. That's Suite 400. Once again, 2605 North Berkeley Lake Road, Northwest, Suite 400 there in Duluth, doing Dog Nation Daily from the Pella Window and Door Showroom. The Experience Center right there in Duluth next week. Can't wait to see you there for that. And by the way, you can find out in person why we've been saying it to you for such a long time. Those Pella window and uh, Pella windows and doors viewed to be the best. High quality. Touch it. Feel it. Get the information that you need to make the same decision that so many homeowners around the uh, city of Atlanta have made, which is it's a brand recognized for its excellence. You can also take advantage of great savings there as well including right now 50% off qualifying installations or 0% APR for 24 months. Check out Pella for all of uh, that. And I, you heard me talk about the Experience Center before. Uh, we'll be there next Monday, but it's open every Monday through Friday from 9, 8, 9 to 5 and on Saturdays as well from 10 until 4. So make sure you check that out too. So here's the website, PellaofGA.com. 
com slash dog nation that's pella of ga.com slash dog nation or give them a call 678-638-1496 once again 678-638-1496 pella window indoor of georgia viewed to be the best i'll see you there at the experience center showroom in duluth next monday we'll tell you more about that as we get ready for uh the big event but i uh, hope to see you there if you're in the area stop by and see us maybe you want a t-shirt maybe you can say hello to us uh, but we'll have a, a great time with you next Monday from the Appella showroom right there in Duluth. I'm going to get John Stinchcomb here in a moment. Before that, though, I do want to do a brief version of Around the Doghouse, assisted today by our friends at AAA. Great to have AAA back with us again here for Around the Doghouse. And look, there is something that continues to be a little bit of a hot topic. Admittedly, I joke about this from time to time on social media. I just kind of like being snarky about this kind of thing. A lot of Georgia fans continue to talk about it. It's the what I view as a little bit of whining on the part of Alabama fans after the national championship loss. And, oh, it would have been so different if John Metchie could have played. Oh, it would have been so different if Jamison Williams could have played. To me, I said loser talk before. This is also an example, I believe, of, of loser talk, you know, um, it's just it's just one of those things where it's just it's just a little bit excuse making a lot of you've sent me the the social media graphic of the big wall that exists in the alabama football uh, you know building that says no excuses and some of you've like marked out the no and put some excuses because clearly bama seems to have some excuses for its national championship loss but this also continued again you know last week with the nfl draft when mel kuyper the uh, draft analyst uh was talking about Jamison Williams, and there's nothing wrong with liking Williams as a player. He's clearly a, a very good player. He's also a first-round draft pick. But one of the things that Kuyper said during the draft about how the national championship game would have gone differently had Williams played also got a lot of attention from UGA fans. This is not great audio, I'll admit that, but it is Kuyper from the draft on the subject of Jamison Williams. So just for proof that he actually said it, this is Kuyper from the draft. So this is textbook TV on the part of Mel Kuyper. If you have an opinion on TV, you're supposed to deliver it strongly. Clearly, Kuyper can't know how the national championship game would have gone differently had Williams played. But you have to pretend that you do. Otherwise, it just doesn't make much sense on TV. TV and frankly, even kind of shows like this. We don't make much room for nuance, the idea of, well, maybe this is true or maybe that could uh, be true. That kind of indecision leads to confusion and confusion leads people to tune out or turn off. And so if you're on TV giving an opinion, it has to be a strong opinion. Otherwise, people don't really follow what you're saying. That's just kind of the mechanism with how all of that works. So Kuiper has to exaggerate his opinion for it to sound right on television. So he makes it clear that he believes that Alabama obviously would have won the national championship had Williams played. He clearly can't know that, nor do I think it's obvious that the result would have been different had Williams played, because frankly, I thought that George was playing pretty good defense in the first half of that game there as well. They were playing just a better brand of defense than they had played in the SEC championship game. Almost no one would dispute that. But because this conversation lingers and because people seem to keep talking about this georgia kind of mocking alabama for it but alabama very tightly holding on to the one excuse they think they have for why they lost that game i think here's an important thing to remember i think this matters as you move into the upcoming season that people make a big deal about mechie and williams not being able to play in the title game but how many people remember 
that Devontae Smith also got hurt in last year's national championship game there as well. And it may seem like a wild you know, coincidence that in two consecutive national championship games, Alabama lost a star receiver. After all, very different kinds of injuries that took them off the field. They, in some respects, don't really seem connected. But I've told you this before, and I'm going to keep saying this over and over again, that the reason why Georgia's reigning national champion in Alabama isn't, I think there are a few reasons why. First of all, Georgia is a program that strength, I believe, was somewhat decentralized, meaning there wasn't any one player most responsible for that. There wasn't any one Georgia player who you could have taken off the field and completely hindered Georgia's chances of winning. Georgia as a program was just more balanced than that. They just had too much program depth, not just on the great defense, five first round picks, but on the offense as well. As we said before, you know, around that Kentucky game midpoint of last year, Georgia kind of turned it on offensively a little bit too. And all of a sudden they were playing a pretty complimentary brand of football. There wasn't one player that would have completely removed Georgia's chances of winning the national championship. Some people thought its own, you know, first round level receiver, George Pickens might be that guy. Pickens, of course, taking the second, but he could have been a first round pick. But the point is, even his injury for most of the season didn't slow Georgia down all that much. It just, it just wasn't the case. But on the Alabama part of this there as well. This is the thing that I think Alabama fans need to come to full grips with. This is not the same kind of team it used to be. Alabama used to be known for big, physical athletes. It used to be a program known for its size. Now it's a program that's led by quarterbacks and wide receivers. And by their, by their nature, quarterbacks and wide receivers are just smaller. They are thinner, more frail athletes. They are more prone to injury. Now, I'm not going to predict an injury for Alabama for the upcoming season, but when your best player, in the case of Bryce Young, is like 5'11", honestly, you are at an injury risk. When your best player is Jameson Williams, no matter how fast he is, no matter how much he can run by people, if that's your best player, if that's what your hopes are for winning a national championship, if they are pinned on him, you are at a greater risk to lose him because of injury. Smaller players are just more likely to get hurt. It's just, it's just, I mean, it's just simple. It's just simple. That when you think about what Alabama used to be, Derrick Henry at running back, uh, great offensive and defensive linemen, big players who are inflicting damage on someone else. All of a sudden, the profile of Alabama has just gotten smaller. It's gotten thinner. It's gotten shorter. It's gotten more frail. And those players are going to be at a greater threat to being injured. Two consecutive national championship games, the star wide receiver has left the game because of injury. Very different kinds of injuries, but small players more prone to deal with that. This is what Alabama has become. They have traded the physical dominance they used to have for the explosiveness they think they need. And there is no free lunch with these kinds of trade-offs. If you become more finesse, you will become less physical in the process. And that lack of physicality has hurt the Crimson Tide. It is not a coincidence. It's worth paying attention to. That is around the doghouse, and it's assisted today by our friends at AAA. As I said before, it is great to have AAA with us here on Around the Doghouse here today. Always fun having them, that card in my pocket every single time I'm traveling and going places. I've got that card because I need their legendary roadside assistance. There's all kinds of other things that AAA does for you there as well. But this time of year, you're on the move, you're traveling to see your kids play youth sports, you're going on vacation, you're getting away for a weekend uh, excursion, whatever else you got going on. Uh, something goes wrong, flat tire, anything like that, that AAA membership is going to come in handy. So if you go to AAA.com, you can find your local AAA club, and you can uh, get hooked up and ready to go 
when it comes to all of that. So make sure you check that out today. AAA assisting us with around the doghouse here today. All right. So before we are done on today's program, we'll probably make fun a little bit of fun of the uh, Florida Gators here a little bit. Also, a pretty radical suggestion by what I think of as a pretty radical football coach. Uh, a lot of folks don't seem to like it. I guess I'm probably in that camp there as well. We'll tell you about that before we're done today there as well. But for now, on everything else related to Georgia football, kind of what comes next for the dogs, big talk from some of Georgia's opponents about the upcoming season. Let's cover all the bases with that. Let's talk to John Stinchcomb here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always fun to talk to John Stinchcomb. And, uh, John, welcome back to the program. I hope that you and your family had a uh, great Mother's Day uh, weekend. I'm sure you were doing something fun there. It's a cool time of year to be celebrating those that we love. And I I hope that uh, for your wife, who I know is a great mother, and all the other uh, folks there in your your, uh, life there as well, I hope you all had a a great Mother's Day weekend, John. Uh, I'm sure, hopefully, felt very honored and as – all the moms out there in dog nation hope they felt the same way it was a great weekend that's uh, good to hear john i want to bring you into a discussion i was having uh, a moment ago before you joined us which is when you look at already i mean i played some audio of kentucky assistant coach talking about oh they just felt like they were so close against georgia a year ago and yeah maybe some of the other big games they played against uga they weren't ready for that one but boy they're ready for this one for this upcoming year and it's gonna be cold in lexington they're gonna have a chance to pull that upset win the sec east kentucky actually one of the few teams in the sec not to win a division since this league went to the uh, division format in the early 90s but the the point here is there's just a little bit different kind of talk that exists when you're the national champion. At least it seems to be the case. There are already media types saying, well, watch out for South Carolina against Georgia, or you know, somebody may try to make the case for Oregon at some point in time. But uh, just a little bit different kind of sign on your back when you're a national champion in terms of that's just a game that everybody seems to have circled. As well they should. I mean, you're talking about the national championship winning best team in football coming, coming at you. And Now's the time of the year where every program should be pumping up their guys. They need to be motivated. They need to feel like they have a chance. Uh, so they're putting in the best work that they can in preparation for the season. So it's not surprising to hear um, some of these comments being made that are coming out of these places where you're going, hold up now. I mean, Kentucky fared okay at times but it wasn't it wasn't all that close when you when you get back to it and the better team won and i think you just have to chalk it up to this is the time of year where you're you're trying to motivate your guys you want them to feel empowered you want them uh to feel motivated and and want to be the best they can heading into the season but uh it's not all that shocking to think that people have georgia circled when they're on the calendar and uh, as well they should be georgia's the the title holder and now the cup bearer that everyone else is shooting for it's also kind of interesting in situations like this to kind of remark on how different georgia is and talk about the process of the program the procedural way in which the, the work gets done around here in comparison to a lot of places like we heard from kirby smart last week on the oregon game that's georgia's next game and yet kirby you know barely wanted to talk about it yet other places they're seemingly comfortable talking about games that are going to take place months from now with many other games to precede that one and 
listen, I'm a media person. I like candid comments. It makes the show more fun to do. I wish everybody would be candid all the time. It'd, it'd just be, I think, more entertaining. But you also kind of understand why that candor can be a potential distraction for places like UGA, why Smart tries to keep things as buttoned up as he, do, as he does around here. And it's also sometimes just a little bit remarkable just to stop and reflect on how different UGA is, the business of, of college football in a place like Athens, in comparison to a lot of other places. Yeah, it, was, uh, it makes me think of uh, they were highlighting various games. And, uh, you know, I've done preseason uh, Saints football for years now and getting access to players or, you know, it's not even considered an option in the preseason to talk to Coach Payton during the game. Uh, it's just the way he goes about his business. And in contrast, Sean McVay during the preseason game um, is breaking down the play that they're yeah. calling and he's doing it from the sideline. So, you know, two great coaches, their approaches are very different. And I, I think that's what you can expect. Uh, obviously, Coach Smart um, finds more value in keeping things close to the best and in-house, and, and other coaches take a different tack. And, uh, you know, that's just – they have their own reasons for it, and like it or not, that's the approach. And, uh, you know, it certainly has paid off this past year for uh, Coach Smart, and I think you read in some of the comments from the players and – um, they were a, a very tight group this past season, which led to some great things overall in the program. So you can appreciate the approach um, from from that perspective, but it certainly does limit your ability to kind of understand some of the decisions. I know that was part of our discussions this past year, especially with the quarterback yeah. um, issues that you ran into. If maybe just a little more information would provide some clarity and, and might not create some of the storm at least on the outside as, as it, how it how it appeared so along those lines yeah i'm sorry go ahead yeah i'm sorry go yeah, ahead that's it yeah so along those lines um smart did talk about the oregon game a little bit last week and it's kind of interesting that in, in terms of the preparation that Georgia's kind of going through to get ready for any season opener but in this particular case because you've got a head coach never coached a game before you've got an offensive coordinator who's obviously working somewhere else last year you've got some of the players will be playing against you that were playing you know for Oregon a year ago but you've also got the quarterback Bo Nix who's playing for Auburn you know you've got I mean I would imagine a lot of different film you have to watch right I mean maybe you're watching your own film maybe you're self-scouting a little bit to see you know remind yourself of what some of Dan Lanning's tendencies might have been I'm just guessing out loud here but you're also watching those Oregon players that are playing and what they did their their you know on-field tendencies as players you know watching some Auburn film I mean, you got to watch a lot of different film to get ready for a game like oh. this when it's a head coach making his coaching debut is that fair to say? Yes, I mean the first game of the year is always a challenge because it's it's new and you don't know what they've been working on for the past eight months. It's uh, there's a, a lot of turnover, usually in personnel and, and schemes and approach, and uh, there can be new wrinkles. And when you have an entirely new staff and as much turnover as Oregon has experienced, including the addition of Bo Nix, somebody that Georgia is familiar with, but certainly not in the system. Uh, in the setting that, that Oregon offers, um, it's going to be a real challenge just to be prepared for the litany of options uh, a team like Oregon can throw at you. Um, obviously, their identity is, is still in the process of being created, but 
I always think that that's a, a real challenge um, to get ready for. I, I think consistently what you do in the in the regular season is you look at the past four games, and when it's a common opponent, you can get a lot from the previous season. You can't really understand personnel as well and, and what they're trying to feature and focus on uh, in, in the new season. But when you have as much change as Oregon had, despite the familiarity with Coach Lanning and, and, and Bo Nix, um, just the overall program is, is entirely new and, and how those pieces are going to meld together. Uh, I think Oregon is still trying to figure out. So from Georgia's perspective, it's, it's an even more daunting task. Now, uh, what you feel, what you focus on if you are Georgia is, is yourself, what you have in your locker room, who we are trying to create that identity, uh, might be a little easier from the offensive side of things, but, um, certainly for a defense that is replacing as many pieces as Georgia is, um, the conversation becomes who are we? What, what, uh, what, what kind of standard are we setting? And we'll make the adjustments that are needed in game, but it certainly is a lot harder when you have as many pieces uh, in that first opponent as Georgia will face in Oregon. And I've said this, and you know, maybe your opinion on this is different than mine, but you know, everybody kind of wants to know, okay, what's the game in which Georgia might be challenged? What's the game in which Georgia might be tested? I think there's a temptation to say, well, maybe it is the Oregon at the beginning of the season because the game just feels bigger. Oregon's a recognized brand. The game's going to take place at Mercedes-Benz Stadium that has the whiff, the appearance of a big game. But, John, I don't mind telling you that as a fan, someone who wants Georgia to win all the games it's playing, I'm not the least bit worried about Oregon. It's it's 3,000 miles of travel. It's a rookie head coach coaching his first game. I like Lanning. I respect him. I think eventually he'll be good. I don't think he'll be great in the first game he ever coaches because most coaches aren't. So when I think about you know the game in which Georgia's likely to be tested, Oregon's not the one for me. I joked about Kentucky a lot earlier, but the truth is that's a road game against a program that has had some success it might actually be cold up there that day which could affect a little bit Georgia admittedly didn't play very well when it was up there in 2020 for me a road game in a place like Kentucky or maybe a Mississippi State something like that if Georgia's going to be threatened if it's going to be tested if it's going to be challenged during the regular season I'll take a road game in SEC play against a more experienced head coach a little bit more so than a neutral site type game against a rookie coach with a team that you're playing is traveling 3,000 miles away. I, you know, For people who are looking for the big push to come from Oregon against UGA, I just don't see that happening, John. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I admittedly haven't taken a deep dive into Georgia's season uh, as to what they're going to face, but I think it, it takes a longer period of time to really create identity offensively, and I think that's probably one of the strengths for Georgia. You look at this past season, a national championship season, and then looking looking at the roster that Georgia has heading into this 22 year, I think there's more firepower and potential uh, for growth, a higher ceiling, if you will, from this offensive unit than what just won a national championship yeah. so that should be exciting and usually when 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 you're trying to create a program what takes longer is to create that offensive identity to um, really be able to utilize and highlight the individual pieces that makes a, a team successful so out of the gates for Oregon with as, as much change as they've had I think they have a, a much steeper climb 
than, than Georgia will replacing their pieces, despite the fact that they just set a record. And I, I can't talk about that enough because it's so uh, it's such an awesome feat uh, with the number of players that they had drafted, especially the, the first-round draft picks and uh, obviously a super historically talented group, uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball that Georgia's replacing. But, uh, I, you know, do, do I fear Oregon in game one for Georgia? No. I think it would be an awful long year if, if that's the game that you worry sneaks up on Georgia because yeah. um, without having taken a, a deep look into the, the schedule, there are certainly teams that are further along in their development with the amount of talent that they ha- have in-house that would uh, raise more uh, concern than what Oregon offers in, in week one. Let me finish with this. I'm going to apologize to my producer, Michael Carvel, because this is a different question than I'd planned on asking you. So our, our graphics can be thrown into chaos on this. But I am curious about your opinion on something. It seems like there's some movement over the last week or so to, I guess, try to put the toothpaste back in the tube a bit on the <laughs> NIL issue. You know, Greg Sankey and George Klyakoff, the Pac-12 commission, they were in Washington last week. There were some very outspoken athletic directors, including the guy from Colorado, at an event that took place in Arizona last week that the kind of chaos that has defined the news cycle for the last couple of months, it starts to feel like it's too much for certain people. Is it too little too late on this, John? Or for those who do want a little bit of change back in another direction, can something still be done on this? Uh, You know what? I I think once, (laughs) once you allow that gate to swing as open as you have, it is almost impossible. You've allowed third parties to uh, contract and contact players directly. And it doesn't take too much work and thinking to think about ways that that could be very, very problematic, especially when you see it's almost like recruiting announcements are coming from businesses that have signed contracts with potential transfer players. And you're going, wow, this is totally wild world. So the NIL deal, I'm sure they would want to put on restrictions and, and some guardrails that were needed. Uh, but it's, it's, we're, we're almost past the point where you can legislate uh, and control aspects of it that you would have wanted to from the, from the get go. And I think really what you can probably adjust easier is the transfer portal. Um, and, and you could probably cite the fact that, you know, these players that are moving from spot to spot with, you know, uh, uh, at a rate that seems startling, you know, 2000 plus players names in the transfer portal seems like an awful lot to me. I think you could probably legislate that a little better thinking about the academic side of things which seems like an afterthought, which, you know, ultimately I think we could all recognize probably is, has very little to do with the school itself. Um, but you could use that to, to place a few more restrictions on, on that aspect of things. But with, when it comes to NIL, um, it, it, is, it is certainly changed the uh, dynamics of college sports, specifically college football, and, um, you know, it's, it 
it is like trying to put the toothpaste back in the in the bottle it's a fascinating thing john i appreciate you taking time to weigh on this here today always fun to get your thoughts and everything going on here we'll certainly look forward to getting a chance to speak to you again very soon there as well here on dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia so i certainly appreciate your time hey i always enjoy it thanks for having me on good stuff john Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So real quickly, here's my thought on this, and I want to move on and talk about some different things after that. To me, you know, the notion that, okay, for a while, you weren't really enforcing any kind of rules related to booster contact with recruits, and now you want to enforce those again. That seems very weird to some people. John says, hey, it's very hard to kind of go back and do it differently once you've done it this way. I understand why you're coming, where, where people are coming from on that. But I actually don't view it as an impossibility. And I do genuinely believe that the uh, attempt to kind of restore some sanity in all of this is a proper step for college athletics, even if it's mostly just for window dressing. I, I think that kind of thing is appropriate. I mean, I'm going to give you kind of a clunky analogy every moment. Like, think about walking for a moment, walking in a city, for instance. Like, most cities like the idea of people walking. They, love, they, they like that. Cities brag on how walkable they are. It's kind of thought to be, you know, it's, it's good for a lot of reasons to have people walking. And so, therefore, for the most part, there are a lot of times that, like, law enforcement doesn't really govern a lot of things around walking, like jaywalking, for instance. It's pretty uncommon in most big cities to get a ticket for jaywalking. But here's the thing that some of you also know, that statistically speaking, walking can sometimes be a little dangerous. Like, you do have pedestrian-related accidents in big cities all the time. And sometimes something bad will happen. Maybe enough bad things will happen with somebody walking in the streets, walking when they shouldn't. All of a sudden, this has even happened in Atlanta before, all of a sudden, you know, people say, okay, so now we are going to start enforcing, like, jaywalking and things like that. We are going to start giving citations for that as a way of correcting something we think has been taken a little too far. A lot of cities or municipalities, whatever else, do that kind of thing with a lot of laws a lot of times of, we weren't really enforcing this before. It kind of made sense not to really, you know, pay too much attention to this. But now, based on things that have happened, all of a sudden, increasing our enforcement of this thing, whatever it might be, just kind of makes more sense. So, in this particular case, if college sports now says, hey, for a while, we weren't enforcing this booster contact with athletes, but based on how crazy things have gotten, now we feel like we need to that's not actually all that different from other things that happen in life from time to time. Now, the big issue from college athletics is, is there any entity that has enough power to truly enforce this? For instance, the NCAA, for the most part, has chosen to stand down because they've gotten trounced so much in court and everything else. Do they have the actual authority to still enforce this? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. We're obviously heading towards a future where college football may be governed in a completely different fashion than it is right now. But just the threat of taking it seriously might be enough to get people to just kind of calm down a little bit and, you know, <laughs> just act a little more. I don't know. Uh, things have just gotten pretty crazy as of late. So even the threat of of enforcement might get people to just kind of go back and pocket just a little bit here on, on that. So we'll see where all that goes. We're cruising on the SEC right now, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And speaking of seeing where it goes, 
Great time to find out where Royal Caribbean's heading this summer. Great destinations throughout the Caribbean, obviously also across the world, really, including Alaska and places like that. It's just a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. I hope that you will make the decision to do that today. You've heard us talk about the great time we had, you know, just a couple of days ago. We were on our own cruise with Dog Nation, heading to those wonderful ports in the Bahamas. We were in Nassau. We were in Perfect Day, Coco Cay. And really, if it's your first time going on a cruise, maybe a shorter cruise like that makes some sense. Just kind of get a taste of what it's all about. You can, you know, short drive to Orlando area. That's where Port Canaveral is, just down the road from Orlando. Easy to kind of get to. You can go on a three-night cruise that goes to Nassau, that goes to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. You can do a four-night cruise, which also includes kind of a sea day in there, so you have more time to experience the fun things on board the ship. It's kind of a great way to get started on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation experience. And so after that, you're ready for the seven-day, you're ready for the longer journeys, you know, more exotic ports of call. But maybe one of those three or four day type things in the Bahamas, leaving out of Port Canaveral, maybe that's just a good first step for you. So if you think it might be for you, your family here this summer, check out my friends of the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They can help you get booked up. You can find them online, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. Or you can give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. You can check them out today. So a lot of you may have watched this on Saturday, Rich Strike won the Kentucky Derby uh, as big an underdog. I think it's officially the second biggest underdog to ever win the Derby. Amazing story. Just not even in the field as of Friday. Uh, he was an alternate horse, a scratch of another horse, gave him a chance to be in there. The horse itself only cost 30 grand. You know, most of these horses are like million dollar plus propositions. It was an amazing upset. I was at a Kentucky Derby party. Everybody was thrilled about that. Some folks had some money because it's just kind of fun to throw a little you know money down on such a big underdog and then you also have a pool going on and when the person who thought they had the less the least chance of winning actually wins there's just something really fun about that uh but mike leach the mississippi state coach took it to a completely different level in saying hey maybe we should let college football be more like this there as well let me show you leach on twitter who has long been a proponent of a greatly expanded field for the college football playoff and so leach says that horse he means rich strike winning the kentucky derby today that's a good example of why an expanded college football playoff is needed that horse hadn't won all the races leading up but it got its chance and that's what uh happened Here's the problem with the leech here on this is that while, you know, some random neighborhood party for the Kentucky Derby, folks kind of enjoy the rich strike thing because we're the most part casual fans. We're not really reading the daily racing forum very much and things like that. For the people who are actually pretty plugged into horse racing, they think a result like this is terrible because it's not a deserving horse in comparison to the other horses that are there. I think most racing experts would say the only reason why a horse like this has a chance to win is because the field for the Kentucky Derby is so wide. There's so many horses in the field that the best horses just kind of get trapped and can't get to the front. Like that's not quite the way most of us want college football to function. But Leach is certainly correct that if you expand the playoff field too much, the results will eventually get more random because you're just in, you know, entering and uh, introducing more opportunity for randomness in the discussion. That is correct. That's why most people you know, like the idea of some playoff expansion, maybe going to 12, for instance, but not going too much more beyond that because you know, there are a lot of weird things that can happen in a physical, violent sport like football if you force these teams to play more games. I think Leach likes the idea of anybody being able to win 
because as long as the championship and the playoff are reserved for the very best teams, I think Leach knows he has no chance of being in that discussion. So obviously randomness benefits you if you can't succeed in the normal way. By the way, speaking of difficulty succeeding, how about the Florida Gators? Two weekend commitments for them. And listen, we're not going to bag on players here. We don't typically do that. But they do take a three-star athlete, Creed Whittemore. Uh, They take a four-star offensive lineman. I believe it's uh, Najee Harris. I believe that's how you say the name here, Najee Harris. That's a four-star guy, but ranked outside the top 300 when it comes to the 24-7 sports composite team ranking. Here's the honest assessment of all of this. If Billy Napier as Florida coach is going to greatly raise the level of recruiting success that Florida enjoys, there isn't much evidence yet that's going to happen. Now, listen, we're still a long way away from the completion of Napier's first full cycle as Florida coach. That won't come until December and then next February. And clearly, Napier is doing some things at Florida different than the way business had been done before. He's got a bigger recruiting staff. They're taking this stuff more seriously than Mullen ever did. But the results so far are a lot of offensive linemen outside the top 300, athletes who are more of the three-star variety, transfers who played for him at Louisiana. This is not yet a program that is pursuing a dramatically different caliber of player than it was before. Maybe that happens eventually, but thus far, the Napier era hasn't brought about that great change as of yet. There is still some air quotes here recruiting season off in the distance where florida is going to start attracting great players that was kind of dan mullen's line and thus far (laughs) the napier era sort of feels a little bit the same way there on that then finally there's this and admittedly this probably means nothing but um i guess some folks had spotted this and sent this to me uh dion Bowie, former georgia recruiting target texas a&m signee uh on his instagram story this weekend just put a picture of himself taking a uga visit with the eyeball emoji like it probably means nothing it really does but i don't know man in this day and age uh i guess i don't know maybe you can't rule anything i i, I really think this probably means nothing but i mean you just never know these days i guess so anyway we'll make that cruise around the sec courtesy of our friends at royal caribbean And in honor of Mother's Day, what a great weekend it was. Golden Shoe related to that here today. Uh, Mary Delp, the mother of Oscar Delp, of course, a great uh, signee for Georgia's 2022 class. Obviously, Mary kind of became a little bit of a... Sometimes parents kind of become famous during the recruiting process just because they're kind enough to share some of their thoughts, and uh, Mrs. Delp was. So a lot of folks have kind of gotten to know her through a lot of this. She had a great tweet over the weekend that I wanted to share. To me, this kind of speaks to what Georgia does really well. Uh, This is what Mrs. Delp says on Twitter. Why did we pick UGA? Because it is home, family, she says. I cannot tell you how many UGA football staff, current and former uh, staff members, reached out to me to wish a happy Mother's Day today. She says, true friends met on the recruiting trail. Thank you. You know who you are. Go dogs. That's what they do, man. Uh, They develop those relationships. That's why they're so successful. How about our Gator Hater Updater? 4,869 days since Florida's won a national championship. And our Gator Hater Countdown, dogs back in Jacksonville, 173 days from right now. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cooldown. Take your comments here at dognation.com and on Twitter at dognationdaily um heather leo checks in to say uh, check out our mom uh with her favorite uh, mother's day present she's a proud alumnus from the fairest of the southland boy what a great picture this is um 
Of course, Miss Leo here, her son, Jack, does some work with us. And I guess this is grandmother with her national championship flag for Mother's Day. Man, that is awesome to see right there. What a what a cool thing that is. So many families celebrating Mother's Day. It's one of the things that when you get to do what I do, sitting here and talking to folks all the time, yeah, you just come to the um, – you just get to know a lot of folks, and you see the way in which they celebrate Mother's Day and the happiness they have around UGA and the fact that even though we're kind of a long way away from the start of the season, at least in the minds of some – uh, still that national championship on folks' minds. So uh, great to see Mrs. Leo here sharing that about um, uh, uh, mom, grandmother there who's enjoying that national championship flag. Man, that's awesome. And for all of you uh, that celebrated Mother's Day yesterday, hope you had a great time. For those of you who are moms, thank you for the contribution you make to our lives. And for those of you that honored your mom, I know how proud you must be. So uh, very good stuff. Also, our buddy Logan Booker on Twitter saying that it's now closer to the start of the season than it was the end of last season. I thought we maybe hit that mark last week. Maybe we didn't. But, you know, for those of you kind of wondering when the season's going to be here, these are kind of the uh, the the ten poles we have to go around, right? Uh, kind of those corner poles. Uh, you got to go past Mother's Day, then Memorial Day, then you get the 4th of July, and at that point in time, you're basically there. You sort of squeeze in a week of vacation. It doesn't take very long to kind of get from that uh, warm weather season into the start of the fall. So it feels like Georgia just celebrated the end of last season, and you're going to blink your eyes. They're going to be starting the new season here coming up pretty soon there as well. So awesome stuff to think about. We'll keep talking about with you here on our podcast, Cool Down with R.S. Andrews and everything else. Uh, along with Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. So y'all have a great day. We will look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow. And don't forget to check out rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. We'll talk to you then here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. See you then, everybody.